My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right. Well, we will go ahead and get started. We have Sarah here. And this week has been kind of crazy for Sarah because just with going back to school and everything, I will obviously let her get into it. But Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us. I'm really eager to share it with the rest of the moms in our community. So if you don't mind just giving us some basic background and family information, any context information that's just relevant to the telling of your story. Absolutely. Uh, I have three kids and they are three girls, 17, 14, and 12. Um, So I pretty much was a stay-at-home mom um, up until uh, probably January of 2018 when my husband just up and left. So I am now a single mom and have the kids about 90% of the time. So that was a complete switch of gears. Um, So that's some of my story. I also homeschooled my my kids and am a teacher myself. So there's all kinds of stuff in there. So you decide what you wanna dive into. (laughs) Oh, well, I, even just hearing that your husband just kind of up and left, I know that you've told me in our own conversation some things that you wanna share about that story, but just talk to me about what that was like having three children and just having this partner up and leave. Well, I'll go back to the beginning because I think that that's, you know, that never just happens. Okay. And so um, when I had my first daughter, I had some postpartum anxiety and um, then I had my, then I had a miscarriage and then I had my second daughter and during my pregnancy, my ex-husband's brother committed suicide. So, um, and I do think that's important for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, I think that life always seems to throw us things that we don't anticipate. And when you have some mental illness, whether it's minor or major, I think that, that these types of things make that much more difficult if they're not dealt with. And, um, and I think that's part of the reason I want to share my story is because everybody has choices and many people have mental illness. And if you don't get help, um, I, my, my story is a perfect example of what happens. Things, you know, life is hard with kids. And as we went along, everything that happened Um, just got harder and harder because my ex-husband's illness, mental illness got worse because he just never dealt with it. Mm -hmm. And I 
really tried to hold on to the family. And I was very, very lucky that I was able to stay at home and homeschool my girls. And I do think that that was one of my greatest blessings. And, um, but after five years, I, it was still because I did not have a partnership because he hadn't dealt with many of uh, the issues that were haunting him that uh, I decided to put the kids back in school because I was doing anything I could to hold that together. Holding on to that story that I needed to hold this family together and I needed to do whatever it took to figure that out did not serve me at all because then I didn't take care of myself. I wasn't a good mom to the kids. I was very stressed. It put more strain on the marriage and, um, and there was no partnership. And if there's not a partnership in a marriage, I just don't know how it can survive. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been a long time coming. It wasn't something that just out of the blue happened. Uh, no, and I don't think it ever does. It's always a, a layering effect. It's always one thing that leads to another. So there was a lot of pressure on you, I'm sure, taking care of the household, taking care of yourself, taking care of these three children, while this person was really struggling with his own issues. Um, so can you just talk about the mental toll that that experience had on you as a mom and a wife? Yes, well, like I said, mental illness never improves on its own. And I was trying to do what I could do. And to be quite honest, you know, mental illness is talked about, but how does it really, you know, pop up its ugly head in many different ways? And I think that that's one of the problems people don't understand. Anxiety can lead to depression and not dealing with grief and, and um, you know, things that happen in people's childhood. So they just kind of like build upon one another. And so I, what I did is I, I did all the coping mechanisms that I could. I overcompensated. I volunteered. I distracted myself. I homeschooled. I did as what it, what I could do. And, and it wasn't all bad. It really wasn't. There were many wonderful things, wonderful people that came into my life. And, you know, because I homeschooled, I was able to do some awesome things with my kids. I got really great time with them and our relationship is very strong because of that I was able to do some traveling and um, spend time with my parents and my grandma and so I don't I, I really do think that as I look back there's good and there's bad and unfortunately I was so intent on trying to keep it together I didn't realize that I'd be okay if it fell apart and so uh, my trying to control and keep it all together um, didn't help the situation. And so um, I, I got a lot of help afterwards and realized a lot of things afterwards. What I wish I would have known was that no matter if there's mental illness or not, mothering and being a parent is so hard. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and I think it's really important that people have, especially moms, have um, therapists to talk to or really good friends or, you know, the difference between friends, like you're going to tell your therapist everything, right? You may not tell your friend everything. And I think that when you're trying to hold it all together, you may not be entirely honest with your friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I know 
a lot of women have talked to me personally about just the stigma that they have felt if they are struggling. And I know even for me as a therapist, I hear it all the time. You know, people have waited, they wait and wait and wait so long. They struggle so long before they go and get help because they feel like it's a failure to ask for help and treatment and get therapy. But I'm hopeful just by having women hear some of these messages from moms and in the series that they'll feel more empowered to get that help if they feel like they really need it. Oh, absolutely. And that uh, knowing that you're going to be okay, no matter what happens, mm-hmm. right? That, and that life throws you things and it's going to change and there's going to be deaths. There's going to be divorce, possibly illness, but there's also going to be great friendships and joy and relationships and empowerment and that you're going to be okay, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. What was the first couple of, what was that like immediate transition like for you? So when this person left, what was that immediate, like, okay, how do I get this together? What, what was that all like for you? Well, I will say I was completely devastated and, um, three months after he left, my mom passed away. So that was a really tough year for me. And as I say this, there were some really great things that happened during that year. Um, for every bad thing that seemed to happen, I felt like something great happened. Like I had people just come to my doorway and say, listen, we we're here to help. What can we do? Uh, we want to help you with your house. We're bringing meals. I mean, just, just silly stuff like that, that just, and that's the stuff I hung on to. I hung on mm-hmm. to the fact that I had people calling, I had people giving me advice, but I also really got myself out there. I really was like, okay, this is not going to knock me down. I'm going to do what it takes to work through this. And so I forced myself to feel that devastation, but then I didn't, I didn't sit in it for long. I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I got a part-time job. I called people who, um, went through a divorce. I, I put myself out there and I heard whether, whether it was God or not. I mean, I prayed like crazy telling me to share my story and that I, I, by doing that, people came to me and Mm -hmm. it was very empowering. And I've learned so much through that, even though it was the hardest year of my life. Mm -hmm. It seems like you were able to focus on what was going right versus all of the things that were going wrong. And that had to have taken a lot of discipline because you had so many reasons to just give up or, or not try, but I really admire you for fighting the good fight and, you know, moms can really rally when push comes to shove. Like there's nothing that really can stop a mom when they have these kiddos to take care of. Right. And they have, they have to find a way to figure it out. And that's exactly what you did. Oh my gosh. I remember putting them, you know, to bed and my kids are are older. um, But I remember them going to sleep and I just sat there and just allowed myself 30 minutes to just cry. I just cried Mm -hmm. it out. And then, but then I forced myself. I went to Al-Anon because my ex-husband also had some addictions. And, and I think addiction and mental illness go hand in hand. And so I got, I, I did not want to become a victim. I refused to be a victim. I went to those meetings. I listened to podcasts. I forced myself to have moments where I would laugh and um, spend time with my girlfriends and, and focus on those minutes 
of the day that if, if I only had minutes, I'd focus on those minutes in order to get me through it because I knew that that was the only way I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. Were you always able to have that kind of clarity? Like even in the early stages of motherhood, when you were, I'm sure dealing with the chaos of having three children, like, were you able to, I guess, how did you handle just your transition into motherhood and having three young children with somebody who potentially was experiencing some mental health concerns at the time? What was that all like for you? Um, well, I think I figured out pretty early on that it was not going to be the kind of marriage that I wanted. Um, and so it was tough that first, when I'm on my daughter, my first daughter was born. I, I had postpartum anxiety, not so much depression. And I was, I was, you know, panicked and I wasn't sleeping and I was, you know, worried about the fan in her room breaking and hurting her. I was worried whenever she wasn't in my sight. And I think part of it was because he was not available to me. He could not help me through it. And so I really relied, I was very lucky. I relied on my parents and my sister so much, but that also allowed me not to face the fact that I was with somebody who was not going to be a partner to me. Mm -hmm. So it was a great thing and it got me through and I certainly was not going to up and leave, up and leave. Um, but that's, I mean, I, that, that was difficult. Um, and then when I had my second and then my third, and like I said, there was a suicide in there. So that was really difficult. I come from really, uh, re- my parents were huge anchors. My sister's a huge anchor for me. And, uh, that, that really helped, but I just threw myself into it. I love being a mom. I, I, you know, it just, it just felt very natural to me. And I think I've always tried to focus on the positive and figured it would, you know, he was having an adjustment and I was, you know, praying for him and, you know, hoping it was going to figure itself out. And, you know, it, it never did. Um, so in the beginning, I, uh, I got help. I, I went to the doctor. I was like, listen, I'm not sleeping. I'm, I'm probably driving everybody crazy. Um, and I did get on medication and, but I, I, I'm r- real sensitive to that whole medication thing because I saw how, uh, like my ex-husband, I think abused some of his prescription medication. So I was really, really nervous about that, mm-hmm. but it got me through the crisis and it was able to get me through so that I could get some sleep. I could get to a therapist. I could take some time for myself where I could really start enjoying my babies. And that is key. And that really, really helped me. And until I was able to just kind of get on my own two feet. Obviously, under the supervision of a trusted medical professional and a therapist, for these reasons, I'm glad that you were able to break through those assumptions and do what was best for you in that moment and for your family. Yes. Like I said, I just, I'm really, really grateful for the support system that I have. I feel very, very lucky that I, I had people to say, Hey, listen, this is okay. This is what's happened. Because I think so many times women, we judge each other and we don't talk about the hard stuff and we don't say, listen, I struggle too. And I was lucky. I had a couple of people say that and it allowed me to throw what my story and talk about it and cry about it. And, oh my gosh, once you talk about it and cry about it and, and be with other people, it's just like, it lifts. Something about 
one being anonymous, right? Like there's something behind, you know, when we get to just be anonymous, everything can come out and it's okay because we're not going to be judged. And then there's something else about hearing that lack of censorship that is like, wow, I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. I'm not just a bad mom. This is not just my experience. And I remember that certainly was the thing that made me feel the most relief when I was new as a parent. So the sooner and the more that we can get that out to other moms, the better. Yes. And Um, I, and I also say, you know, when I, when, when people heard that I, uh, that I was separated and I was eventually divorced, you'd be shocked how many people came to me and tell me their story about how they're struggling in their marriage. That's the other thing that I think is so not talked about but once you go through it, once you're like, Oh my gosh, she's, that happened to her. They saw me as a safe person to talk to because marriage is hard. It's a struggle. And the only way we're going to figure it out is by helping each other and talking about it. Mm -hmm. So I, having a partner I and one child, I cannot even imagine or wrap my head around what it must have been like being a single parent and having three. So I'm really curious, what were some of the major challenges outside of what you already talked about of being a single parent and having to go through like the teenage phase by yourself? And well, I'm in the middle of that now. So <laughs> uh, sometimes it's hour to hour, day to day. But um, I think the hardest part is you have, even though I have friends and I have family that are there for me, those, there's two different things. One, when your kids do something that is so awesome and you're so proud of them, nobody loves their kids like their parents. Right. And to have nobody to share that with is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And on the same respect, when I'm struggling and I'm making a decision, about my girls that nobody else can really make a decision about. It's extremely lonely. It's, it's, I can't even describe it because, you know, other people, uh, they, they parent differently. Nobody parents the way you do. And when you're in a partnership and you're together and you're making those decisions, you're, you're forging ahead together. But when you are on your own, you just, it's sometimes it's like a wet blanket on you. You just feel just like overwhelming grief. And so I sit in it. I let myself feel that. And I allow myself to cry for those five minutes. I allow myself to be sad. And then I say, you know what? It's that's, this is the way it is. And, and there's no changing it. And so I have to make the decision the best way I know how. And I also, for me, one of the most empowering things is to be very, I I allow my kids see me grieve. I allow my kids see me struggle. I allow my kids, um, I talk to my kids about some of these hard things and it really does help. They, it is this, I have to say this whole thing has actually brought my girls and I so much closer. Mm -hmm. I feel like you would have to rely on your own intuition and your gut instincts so much because you don't have that other person to bounce ideas off of or to get their feedback. And so you don't really have space to doubt yourself, really. You have to kind of make decisions and trust your gut and go for it and adjust along the way. And it seems like that's what you've had to rely on for better or for worse because you don't have that other person to rely on and give that back to you. 
Right. And, and I think, so then I think, okay, how do I do this and be in a good space? How do I make good decisions? Right? Well, you can't keep yourself crazy busy and make good decisions. So I had to allow myself to say no to some stuff and really prioritize and, uh, and to also make sure I had a therapist that I talked to, to exercise, to um, not, not watch TV, but to listen to music and do yoga or do whatever I have to do to take care of myself and feel stronger. Cause when I feel stronger, I'm going to be able to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because sometimes you just want to sit down and you just want to turn the TV on and you just want to escape. Yeah. And it's a very na- normal thing to want to do. I had to really fight that. Like, okay, I'm not, I'm not supposed to just escape. Not that escaping is bad all, sometimes, but every night I, I just like, you know what, I'll allow myself an evening, but that's about it. Otherwise I got to get outside. I have to do things for myself uh, in order to be in a good mindset to make those decisions Mm -hmm. my mental health and my happiness I have to work it like it's my full-time job and and unless I do that everyone else around me suffers so unless we take care of ourselves first we don't have anything to pour from we don't we can't pour from an empty cup so such a good point I'm I'm wondering because you talk so eloquently about, you know, you talk to your children about these difficult emotions and you're open with them about what's going on. What has it been like for them having to deal with a father who is maybe not as present as he should be and now who is not around at all? What has that been like for them? And then how is that handled by you as their mom? Well, as many moms know, um, kids are, are very different. Um, there, you know, I have three kids who are extremely different and I think it depends on which one, like I have one that's, um, to complete internalizer. She internalizes. Okay. I have another one who needs to talk about everything and is super affectionate and needs to cuddle. And I have another one that's pretty assertive and she's angry. And, and so I guess each one handles it differently. Um, the, all I can say to each one of them is this is mental illness. This is addiction. This is, um, this is what happens when you don't deal with it. And, and your dad loves you so much, but he is so, there's so many layers on top of him. This is the only way he knows how to survive. And if, if, it doesn't take away how much he loves you, but it does change how he acts. It changes his choices and it changes how he is as a dad. And so it's okay to feel angry. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to have different emotions about it, depending on what day it is. I give them that. Um, and, and they each handle it differently. Yeah. I can imagine it's got to be difficult to, have your own emotions about the situation and simultaneously having to help them through it too. But that's motherhood for you, I guess. That's for sure. And I, and a lot of things that I've learned, I pass on to my kids. Like, you know what? You can feel bad, but you are not allowed to be a victim. Yes, mm-hmm. you deserve to have a great dad. Absolutely. But you don't have one. And so what are you going to do about that? Um, you know, that doesn't mean that you don't have great people in your life. You're just going to look at all the, I mean, there are kids who have a mom and a dad and they don't have, um, 
some of the things that my girls have in their lives. They, you know, they have some really powerful um, aunts and uncles. They have awesome grandparents. Uh, they have um, some of their friends' moms have really stepped up. I mean, we, we have, and that's the village. That's, those are those things that you have to pay attention to. So I really try to push that. You can feel sorry for yourself. That, that's your choice because it is a choice. But you could also look at all the wonderful things that you have in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I'm not sure that I could do it if I was in your situation. So I really honor just where you're coming from and all the daily decisions and actions that you have to make. Um, you also mentioned having a child who has life-threatening allergies. So again, yes. just having to be very vigilant and on your game as far as supporting them, what has that been like for you on a day-to-day basis? Oh boy, the whole allergy thing. Some days that that's really what pushes me over the edge mm-hmm. um, because it is, it's, it's one of those things that can really take me from zero to 10. Like if I know they're going to a restaurant and they're with their dad and they don't have their EpiPen, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, but all that empathy and everything that I held together before that is out the window and I am right there at anger and, and I am just fit to be tied. And I, I pretty much tell them you can't eat anything until you get that EpiPen. You, and I, it forces me to really talk to my girls about, Hey, this is your life. This is, this is your allergy and you can't don't do certain things that other kids can do. And you really got to take control of that. And part of that is speaking up. And they're not used to speaking up like that to their dad. So that's really difficult for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really has, has taken me from, a, okay, I'm the mom, I'm in charge to, no, I'm not always in charge. This is something I have to teach my kids about being in charge of. And that's hard because they're teenagers and they forget and they can be stupid and make bad choices. And uh, that is, that's, I go right back there to the, to the anxiety. I really do like, all right, I, I've got to just pray and hope and and teach and literally get six EpiPens <laughs> and that's all I can do mm-hmm. yeah I mean it makes sense from just an anxiety standpoint why you would in this selective scenario go from zero to ten yep. because it's their lives that are at stake and yep. you're mama bear so you will do anything to keep them safe and and the costs are too high for you to not go from zero to 10. So that makes sense. And it's compounded by the fact that, like you said, you're not in control. They're in control. So double-edged sword where the stakes are so high and you're not really too in control of it. Like if they choose to remember to get it or or use it or keep it on them. So Well, there's a lot of information that, that, that people don't know about life-threatening allergies. I mean, the 90% of allergic reactions happen in a restaurant because there's cross-contamination. And so that is, right. there's, so, there's so much of that that's like, okay, listen, this is something, even if you say, you, oh, I have a life-threatening nut allergy, you just, you have to really learn to be your own advocate. And that's what I learned being their advocate, even before we were split, it was, uh, oh God, you're so embarrassing. You got to tell everybody, are you really, are you using the same cutting board? Are you, you know, I I had to really speak up and, and that makes some people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, you've also been really 
just having a hectic week, I'm sure, with homeschooling. You mentioned that you, in addition to all these other roles that you play and all the other support that you have to give, you're also now the homeschool teacher. So talk to me about what that decision was like for you, the difficulties of this, and kind of how you cope through the homeschooling situation. Well, not all my kids are homeschool. We started, all three of my kids were home on Monday, and it was extremely difficult for my teenagers. And to be honest, this whole live streaming in the classroom did not work for us. What happened was the kids who are at home were forgotten. The teachers were teaching to the kids who were there, which I totally understand. And that was streaming, streaming, but they weren't really, they were missing out on so much of the classroom experience and participating and all that. So my two teenagers went back to school. They went in, they're doing face-to-face and I'm just, you know, crossing my fingers and talking to the hem about sanitizing and masks and all that. And it's, it's hard because that's a whole nother thing I'm completely, completely on my own with. Now, my third, she's home. So, um, and I did homeschool for five years, put them in for a year, brought them back home for two, and now they're all bad. They're, the other two are back in, and I have the third at home. So, and I work. I, I, I'm a virtual teacher. I'm a teacher. And so I figured, said to myself, after the divorce, what am I going to do? How am I going to take care of these th- three kids and still generate income so that I can pay the bills? And so I, that was the other thing. I was like, okay, I'm going to force myself to figure this out. And I did so much research, but in the meantime, I got three part-time jobs. I just like made some money. I was babysitting. I was caregiving for an elderly patient. I was tutoring. I just made it work. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now I'm actually, I'm a virtual teacher by choice. And so I do that part-time. And then I help my daughter uh, homeschooling at home. And to be honest, the only way I survive is with a schedule. I am so scheduled. I have to. And I, I, I have to be very, um, I have to give myself time so that I am prepared. I have to look ahead. I cannot wing it. Winging it and homeschooling doesn't, win, doesn't work, at least not for us. So I make sure I'm, you know, chopping up vegetables and I'm, um, getting everything ready for the week and I have the schedule set and I've printed out our papers and I've got the stories. And, and then it's also, it's, it's also checking on this third child because she will let it go. And I have to, um, I have to check on her and I have to make sure that she's doing her work. And so that has taken some adjustment for sure. But the wonderful part is that we're reading a book together and we're doing some science experiments together and it's forcing me to get outside with her. And so I'm really trying to focus on that. Just knowing, knowing it's going to, there's going to be parts that are really hard, but also really like taking those moments with her and knowing that this is going to be next year she's in school. So I'm just really trying to enjoy those moments as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, it's, a crazy week for everybody, I'm sure, getting back into the swing of things. And I honor all the women who have had to either send their, their kids back to school or do some type of hybrid or, or do homeschooling. I think so many of us are just at, at a loss of kind of the best way to do it. But there's no right way to do it, just the right way that works for us. Well, and, and this is one of the things that I really wanted to mention. No matter if we're homeschooling, no matter if we're talking about marriages, no matter if we're talking about allergies it's all about judgment, taking that judgment and putting just, I think as moms, sometimes we just judge each other. And that's the, the, that's the hardest thing. And the thing that needs to go out the window, we're all doing the best that we can. We're all making the best decisions that we can 
based on our kids' personalities, based on our family dynamics. And the more we accept that and support each other for those differences, the better off we're all going to be. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I think that that's a perfect segue into kind of our more general questions about your overall experience. So what do you wish you knew before? So say maybe even earlier in motherhood or even before pregnancy that you know now. Um, What do I wish I knew? Um, Oh, let's see. Um, I, I wish I knew that the hard things don't go away. If you keep busy and just ignore them, the hard things get harder and that it's really important to face them. It's really important to accept that um, somebody in your family might need help. They might need medication. They might need a different approach. Um, and, and that those hard things really need to be faced. They really need to be saddened because otherwise it ju- it'll just get worse. Mm-hmm. I feel like so much of that is counterintuitive or at least counter message to what we've been taught in society, which is like, just keep going, just keep going, figure it out. Like just keep going. And yeah, I think I, I, hopefully now what I'm seeing more is like, yep, sit with those emotions. Just let, you know, your emotions are trying to tell you things. So more of like a slowing down and being investigative about your emotions versus just like trying to rush by them and pass them and not feel them. Right. Right. What would you tell yourself back then if you could talk to that woman now? That that things are that life is hard, that divorce is gonna happen, death might happen, illness might happen, all these bad things might happen. Um, but that great friendships might happen. Travel, joy, that with the bad comes the good, and to not look too far in advance. I think we do ourselves a disservice by saying, Okay, I have this family and these kids and they're gonna you know, go to this school and we're going to go on vacation and they're going to go to college. No, no. I think we do ourselves such a disservice if we took every year as it is and really look at things um, truthfully um, and know that, that it's going to be hard and know that it's coming. I wouldn't have been so blindsided. I felt like the carpet was pulled out from me. Had I, had I had the expectation that, you know what, this stuff is going to happen. Um, but I, I didn't. I just thought I'm going to have this great life. And I think, you know, I'm going to have this perfect family and this perfect marriage and these perfect kids. And because that's what we want. Right. But no, that, that shouldn't be what we want. That's not what's going to happen to any of us. Mm-hmm. What do you think other than that is really important for moms to know? I think it's really important for moms to know that kids need truth. That they don't, yes, we try to protect our kids, but they need to see us modeling how to do life. They need to see us handling those hard things. They need to see us be nervous. They need to see us try new things, talk to them about interviewing and being assertive and standing up for ourselves. We don't talk to our kids enough. We try to protect them and we bring them to our activities and we make them meals. I just don't think that, um, that we, we, either take the time or that we talk to our kids and model to them really how we deal with some of these adversities because we're doing ourselves a disservice and we're doing them a disservice. Not that we have to be perfect, but the point is that I guess we don't have to be perfect, right? Like that it's okay to let them see those sides of us so that they can see us model how to get through it. I'm telling you, even as teenagers, um, 
you know, they, they really pick up on that. I heard my, my daughter fighting with her boyfriend and, and he was, you know, I love you. I, I just don't understand. And, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she said, yeah, I love you too, but I love myself first. Oh, that's really sweet. And that wouldn't have happened had I not modeled that to her. What did that, that must've been such a heartwarming, like oh my you God. go girl moment. Oh, and I can't, and, and since this has all happened, there's been multiple of those moments where they've really, they've really seen me. Um, I've really modeled that. And, and, you know, I've had a lot of people say, you shouldn't be telling your kids that, or you shouldn't blah, blah, blah. I, I totally disagree. Mm-hmm. And, and granted, depending on the ages of the kids, you know, you don't want to tell them everything, but it has really, really helped them be stronger people because of this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're kind of getting into my final question, which is why do you think it's important to do and go through hard things? Um, gosh, that's easy. It strengthens us. It it bonds us to people. It makes our relationships stronger. And and it for, it forces change when change needs to happen. And it's just life. Hard things are good. I mean, it's undeniable. It is life. It is going to happen. What we cannot have good without bad. All right, guys, that was our episode with Sarah. I am so thankful to all of the incredible women who have stepped forward and wanted to share their stories with us. And I'm so thankful for all of you for tuning in and continuing to want more of not just regular episodes, but this Anonymous series. It seems like the feedback that I've gotten is that it's been really, really helpful, that it's resonated with just so many women. So... I do have a website that I would love for all of you to check out if you haven't already. So that's at www.jennaoverbot.com. Definitely be sure to check that out for lots of resources, news, and upcoming little tidbits here and there that I have coming for you. Please also check out some of the additional episodes on this podcast. I also am just always updating my Instagram. Check me out there at jenna.overbot. Be sure to sign up for my email newsletter on my website. That way you can stay really up to date with everything that I have going on for you. So thanks for tuning in again. I have a lot of additional episodes and interviews to be working on for you. So be sure to stay tuned. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.